Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the week nine edition of the Pro Football Focus Fantasy Show here on Roto Grinders. Um, I'm Andy Means. I'm not Britt Devine. Britt Devine, we can only assume, is in Disney. We do not know where he is, but the smart money is on Disney. Um, I'm joined by my co host, Ian Harditz. Ian, what's going on, man? Happy to do the show with you today. Good to do a show. You, Britt, couldn't handle the heat. You know, we bring a lot of energy on these Fridays. Some guys uh, just can't handle uh, the big league. So I, I hope Britt is uh, having a good time, whatever he is doing. But excited to talk to you, Andy. Got a, you know, interesting slate ahead of us. We were talking before the show. Don't have as much, uh, you know, kind of easy value as we're used to. Maybe that will uh, help us out in the long run. Who knows? At, at a minimum, we do not have to worry about, you know, five-plus games being heavily influenced by the weather. So at least we have that going for us this week. Yeah, and then we have, uh, you know, I was watching the Week 8 show, and Britt's giving out these Rams bets, these Chargers bets. Um, his usage rate was really high that week. Maybe maybe they just wanted uh, someone to come in to distribute a little more to you, Ian. So maybe that's why they brought me in. I don't know. Um, yeah, so like Week 9, yeah, it's tough. We were talking um, cheap stuff, not much cheap stuff. There's plenty of good options to spend up on, uh, especially like, you know, running running back has like Cook and Edmonds. We'll get to all this stuff, uh, but it's it's tough to fit everybody we want. So I'm I'm happy to talk through all this with you. Um, let's talk about um, your your manifesto, your mismatch manifesto over on Pro Football Focus for for people who are new to the show, maybe new to your work. Um, just give them like kind of a brief rundown of what you try to accomplish. There, it's one of my favorite articles. You really get into the nitty gritty of stuff. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of information that you can't find in other spots. So I certainly love reading it on a weekly basis. So tell everyone kind of what you try to do there. And then I'll let you just go right into kind of some stuff you're starting to look for. Yeah, I appreciate that. So the whole kind of idea and goal with this article is just, you know, when we talk about matchups in football, it's always like, okay, this running back has a good matchup because he has the third best run blocking offensive line. They're facing the 27th ranked, uh, you know, defensive line against the run, but it's always a two way street. So what I've done is I've just combined these metrics, the same thing yards before contact allowed versus, you know, what they have explosive pass rate allowed versus what they have combined those metrics. And that way you can kind of see around the league. Okay. Now we have one number that can help show comparatively how good of a matchup is. And also by doing that, it lets, you know, a really good offense, you know, even if they're facing a, a 
pretty okay defense. We'll see that number still be high enough and, you know, you can feel more confident with the offense overcoming it. So basically, you know, a one-way street to kind of look at matchups in a way that we all pretty much do. Anyway, though some conditional formatting on there makes it cleaner for everyone. So uh, without further ado, you know, looking this week at offenses that are really set up well to create explosive plays through the air. We know those big plays are what we're looking for in fantasy football. And I think we got some guys this week that can supply it. Uh, for what it's worth, Aaron Rodgers was popping, you know, as someone that could definitely get it going. We saw that come to fruition. The other guys uh, this week that could be set up for success through the air, Deshaun Watson, uh, Kirk Cousins, and Drew Locke. So a little bit surprising to see Locke there. I think we'll talk a little bit more about him when we see, uh, you know, some of the DraftKings stuff and potential tournament plays. And also we have uh, Matthew Stafford, if he's available on Sunday, someone else is in a good position. So a lot of these guys, you know, Cousins, even Stafford to some extent, we do have to wonder, you know, is the volume going to be there? We know they're efficient, but sometimes it's too much of a run first offense. But I do think, you know, Lions and Vikings, then also that uh, to a lesser extent with Lutton under center, Texans, Jaguars could be games where we see some big plays going on both sides of the ball. And then just guys that real quickly uh, could be struggling a little bit Kyle Allen which we know he can struggle against pretty much anyone same thing goes with Nick Foles but Drew Brees also someone popping up and I know this game's off the main slate and we're just talking DFS but truly everyone I mean I have Brees as my QB 15 this week that even feels a little bit generous if you're able to find you know even a decent streamer to go ahead of Brees in this matchup against the Buccaneers I would do so yeah some of those names uh, you talked about um we're gonna maybe have to dip down uh in both formats at quarterback. So I'm, I'm excited to hear you talk a little bit more in depth that some of those guys you're looking on the cheap end. Cause part of me wants to say that I want to get the skill position guys in, you know, the cooks, the, the Edmonds, the Keenan Allen's, those guys, but man, the, the money goes away fast when you start putting those guys in. So usually it's a, it's a, a slate that you want to spend down a quarterback or usually you want to spend down a quarterback in, in cash game, just so you can spend those guys. But I feel like the pricing is just a little bit tighter. So yeah, we'll get into that. Um, another thing you you look at here that is important is the pace. So take me through some of the games here that you're looking at as far as pace, um, because I think that's obviously, you know, more plays there are, the more opportunities for fantasy points. And, and you obviously take it a little more detailed than that. So take me through some stuff you're looking at here uh, from a pace perspective. You uh, said it, man. So the, pretty much the Cowboys have been operating at the league's fastest uh, pace all season long. Even though Dak is out, they haven't exactly slowed things down a lot, which you would think that, hey, you know, we don't have Dak, we don't have Andy Dalton. Maybe you could take a different offensive approach. Haven't quite seen that. Maybe that does explain why the Cowboys continue to look like, you know, probably the single worst offense in the league since Dak Prescott has gone down. When you don't try to change your offense to fit your, you know, players' own talents, that's the kind of stuff you get. And that's also why we see Braxton Berrios getting, you know, 11 targets for the Jets because some coaches just will not change their offenses to try to fit uh, their players' talents. That's what we're seeing there. But in this case, again, I mean, Cowboys are always popping up in this because they do have just by far the league's highest pace. Pittsburgh Steelers are at number, number 12. So, you know, we do wonder. It's a situation kind of like we were wondering with the Chiefs last few weeks. I mean, how long can Pittsburgh stay in this game before it becomes a route? And can, you know, we get just enough overall play volume for the guys? But I think, you know, considering how fast the Cowboys do move the ball, uh, we should, you know, expect the Steelers to be a little bit better off than they might otherwise be. Uh, Packers and 49ers, on the other hand, oh, that game already happened, but that was popping as the slowest pace game. And then uh, Lions-Viking is one that's also looking a little bit slow. So situation where, you know, I know we got two good offenses going back and forth there uh, in terms of the explosive passing, but might not have the overall play volume we're, we're looking for. So, you know, like anything we're going over here, it's one piece of the puzzle, but I do think, you know, in general, you definitely want to target the higher pace matchups. So moving on to an, another point here on your, on your article is, um, is pressure. And I know like last week, 
as far as like picking defenses. I kept landing on cheap defenses because I needed to save money, and it's just such a high variance position, anyways. That I luckily landed on the Dolphins, um, and which basically single handed me, single handedly led me to cash in my cash games just because I had Kareem Hunt, I had Tyler Lock, you know, things like that. Uh, that brought me down a little bit, but talk to me a little bit about the pressure, your pressure chart here, because if, if there's anything we can take away uh, from some of this information, I'm hoping something sticks out from a cheap deep defense perspective, or if there's something that uh, you really like, that's an expensive defense. That's going to just say, I'm going to pay up for this no matter what, just because I think the spot is so good. What are you seeing here as far as pressure rates? Yeah. Daniel Jones is the one that's sticking out and he's doing it pretty much every week. And he has been the most pressure quarterback in the league this year. Only the giants and jets have allowed pressure rates above 40% on the offensive line. So, you know, even, even if they weren't facing, you know, a good defensive line, I think we'd see, you know, a lot of red there for the giants, but they are facing this Washington football team, defensive line. And, you know, Washington, they've been bad for so long now. They just have a plethora of, you know, just monsters on that front. Chase Young, you know, Montez Sweat, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne. It's one guy after another. I mean, Ryan freaking Kerrigan can barely, get enough snaps these days and that's why he was out there uh, requesting trade before the deadline so you know we saw it in week one against the Eagles and we saw it against the Cowboys before the Washington bye this defensive line is truly good enough to take over games I like uh, you know the thought of going with them maybe Antonio Gibson uh, post by stack as a way you know uh, open yourself up to a little bit cheaper liner lineup destruction uh, obviously you know uh, Pittsburgh Steelers against the Cowboys. If you're able to pay up for, I think, what the most expensive defense maybe we've ever seen on DraftKings. Uh, if you're able to do that, it makes sense. Uh, you know, Steelers have the single best pressure rate we have seen from a defense in our PFF database. Uh, so, you know, they are elite at that. And we know that's the Cowboys' biggest problem. And then otherwise, uh, you know, Seattle is looking like Russell Wilson could be under pressure. He's one of these guys, though, him and Deshaun Watson, even Lamar Jackson. Like, they pop a little bit in the pressure rate, but we know these guys can get away from it as well. So it's not as big of a problem as it might be for more of a statuesque quarterback the concern could be with drew lock here and again it's you know we're gonna talk about drew lock more later in this broncos offense they're so cheap that i think it does still warrant exposure but you can see where this thing would go south in a hurry so while i do like you know the broncos passing offense on the other side of the coin i don't mind getting some exposure in different lineups to the falcons defense because with drew lock man i feel like he's either going to give us his you know third usable performance or it's going to be the train wreck that we've kind of seen the rest of the time so uh, if it is a situation where you think a lot of gpp lineups are actually starting to go towards that uh, towards the Broncos route I think uh, you know going a little bit contrarian Falcons the defense and special teams uh, could pop off just by virtue of Locke making enough mistakes in his own right yeah and I think with that game you know being in in the dome in Atlanta too, as we get further along in the colder months I think those those types of games are going to just kind of in, naturally inflate ownership a little bit on those teams especially when like you said with Denver's a cheap price tag so maybe a good way to leverage leverage the uh the field on that one uh, moving on down to um you have combined you have combined yards before contact for rush basically and yeah. this is one of my favorite parts three just because if nothing else you're you're looking at um you're looking at like for me i like look using using our projections and then when you take take a, a chart like yours you have something that's just a little more a little more detailed that can kind of add some add some context and add some color to to these projection systems and I just think it's not ac accurately captured as much as it should be in the DFS industry. That's why like, this is one of my favorite things to look at. So from that perspective, who who's kind of popping off here from some, for some of these running backs? 
Yeah. So um, looking at the chart, you know, we got the Cardinals. And so I made a change to the chart this week. In the past, I've been using team-wide yards before contact. But I was looking at the rankings, and I saw the Giants were a top 10 offense in yards before contact per rush. And I was like, hold on. That's not right. I've watched this offense line all year. We saw Saquon, Freeman. No one can run behind this. What's going on? I realized it's because Daniel Jones on some of these, you know, 50, 60-yard runs he's popped off, he has not been touched the whole way. So I made sure to take only running back yards before contact. So in some offenses, like the Cardinals, uh, who are popping off with the single best matchup by far we've seen you know okay Kyler Murray racking up a bunch of yards for contact but it's also been the run game I made that adjustment and the Giants went from a top 10 offense in this to the third worst in the entire league so uh, I feel more confident about these numbers in terms of running backs now and uh, yeah so Cardinals uh, James Conner and the Steelers man you know talking about I, I just don't see a scenario where James Conner busts this week I with the Steelers wide receivers we have a bunch of questions with volume which one is Ben going to pick this week and to the Cowboys you know small defensive credit we've seen that pass rush turn up a little bit in the last few weeks and you know passing offenses haven't just been going nuclear we week after week I'm not I don't think it's necessarily because their secondary is good it's more because their run defense is just so bad that teams don't even have to really try to go through the air so I think James Conner you know if, you, if you're able to get up to him or just you know if you want to go down from some of the really high price backs to Conner I think that makes sense we've seen him playing much more of you know a true three down role over the past few weeks so love Conner in that spot and then also the other guy kind of popping out that I think is a little bit week eight Dalvin Cook-esque is Derrick Henry like look I understand the Bears aren't the easiest matchup but you look at the kind of stats behind the scenes and they actually have the fifth worst defense in yards before contact allowed per rush so they're good overall it's not a smash spot by any stretch of the imagination but as was the case you know with I understand Dalvin Cook versus the Packers last week maybe a little more clear about the injury stuff either way when you have Derrick Henry versus anybody you know he has that chance to just put together one or two big runs and he's winning the whole slate so I don't think you know particularly with this game happening in Tennessee maybe this matchup is as concerning as uh, we should be treating it. otherwise comfortable going to Derrick Henry and then quickly just guys that aren't set up for success uh cowboys if it's zeke there you know again don't need to break this one down too far i think everyone knows that's a tough matchup but also the buccaneers uh uncle lenny if you're thinking about playing him in season long just realize a tough spot against the saints uh, and then also david montgomery versus the titans someone that gets a ton of you know just kind of hate throughout the industry i feel like but only the panthers have averaged fewer yards before contact in the bears this season montgomery has the most broken tackles in the leads in the league so i'm not saying he's gonna go off this week or anything but cut the guy a little bit of slack uh, when you see probably another you know 50 carry for 60 yard performance a couple of things there don't think i didn't notice on that week eight show that you were all over dalvin cook so <laughs> i hope uh, i hope the people watching followed your lead there um and when I, i'm pulling up the uh you know the, the projected ownership over here in lineup hq on rotor grinders and um connor's like there's the cook and edmonds are and obviously we have uh kenyon drake assumed out hasn't been officially ruled out yet but i think he's doubtful so we have uh, Cook and Edmonds clear leaders in ownership here, and then Connor's right there, and then Henry's right there. Both two guys I, I know you just mentioned there, so taking ownership into consideration, I, I really like that. Um, I want to go back to your one last thing here on your on your manifesto, and that's um, the uh, the EPA, the expected um, points allowed, which I don't think a lot of people use. Um, I know you you like to layer this in a little bit with some over under bets and whatnot. I, when, when I was looking to put my bet in for what we were going to talk about a little in a few minutes here for like our favorite bets of the week, I kind of used your chart as like the stamp of approval too, because I had one I kind of liked. And then I saw a bunch of green popping up over here on your chart. So talk to me about the uh, expected points, uh, expected points allowed per play and how you, how you filter this into everything. Yeah, so you're just looking at EPA per play, taking it from the offense and the defensive side of the ball. And yeah, when you see a matchup with two green teams, it was an over-under that was working a lot 
better earlier in the year. Last week, we really saw a tank. A lot of that had to do with the weather and some of these games of backup quarterbacks in there. So look, uh, you know, early on in the season, it was hitting enough to almost blindly bet these games with two green offenses and, uh, you know, just pick up the money uh, come Monday morning. But now, again, like most of these charts, piece of the puzzle, don't, you know, fully be going out on one thing. But to your point, it is good validation to kind of show which offenses are in an overall good spot and which ones might not be. Because you see, you know, like the Jaguars, uh, for instance, like this has not been a dominant offense by any stretch. And we are concerned with Jake Lutton, but this Texas defense has been, you know, so mediocre throughout the year that I, I'm not afraid of, you know, stacking the Texans offense and then bringing it back with a James Robinson or with a LaVisca Chenault, because I do think there's enough there from the Texans defense being bad enough uh, to warrant exposure. So, you know, you look at the games, uh, uh, Texans, Jaguars, Lions, Vikings, Bears, Titans, uh, Seahawks, Bills, Raiders, Chargers, and Dolphins, Cardinals to a much lesser extent. That's still kind of being influenced by the Fitzpatrick thing. But you look at those games, those are the matchups where we should have some confidence that both offenses can move the ball. And, you know, we see again and again, I feel like with these tournament winning lineups, it's almost always, you know, a stack with one team, but they always bring it back with at least one other guy uh, from the side. So, you know, you do want to target these high scoring matchups. Just make sure uh, you, you realize that, you know, it helps a lot to be able to have one, an offense putting up the points that you're going to center the lineup around, but also an offense on the other side of the ball that you can at least find one or two guys you can trust. So um, I would just say, yeah, man, and, uh, you know, don't blindly bet the over-unders, but if you see a situation where, you know, it is a little bit lower than you might think. Uh, last week, you know, one of my bets of the week was the Lions game uh, where we had this, uh, you know, everything going for them. I do think it's a good way to just ensure that the bet's where you want it to be. Yeah, well, you had that went to like 62 points. What was that line at that week or last week? 49 and a half. Yeah, Ooh, it was, it was that was a, you had that one. You had that one quick. All right. Um, before we get into our bets for this week, um, which is a good transition from from your EPA chart, I just want to mention to everybody who is not aware of the the uh, single entry, the Roto Grinders single entry series on FanDuel. We have it going again this week. I know it started it started in week six, but if you haven't got in it yet, you can still get in it because it takes your top four combined scores each week, and we have it at three different price tiers, depending on, you know, you can obviously play all three if you want, but we have it at $5. It's at $33 and it's at a hundred dollars. So get into those. It takes your top four combined scores uh, each uh, from however many weeks you play it from each tier. And then the top two finishers in each tier advance to a six man 20 K final. So uh, hop in there. I know there's plenty of spots left. It's we're recording this on Friday afternoon, plenty of spots left to get in there. So this is a reminder for the single entry series on FanDuel presented by Rotor Grinders hop in there right away. Um, all right, so let's get over to the bets of the week. I'm going to start off because I want to talk about the one that I just mentioned a little bit ago. Um, I'm, I like the Houston Jacksonville. I like the Houston Jacksonville over under. I like the over. It's 50 and a half last I looked. Um, I know these teams are bad. I know they're both one and six or one and what, what and whatever. Um, when you look at when I pull up Gridiron IQ and I go down here to uh, Identity. As you can see here, this is one of our tools on Roto Grinders. We have Jacksonville is the is ranks first in pass percentage. Houston ranks second in pass percentage. I know they play from behind a lot. I know that matters, but I think that's also just kind of who these teams are. Um, and you get this at 50, half, 50 and a half. I think it's a little, I think that line is a little deflated just because Minshew's out. I still think Gluten can put up points at least enough to do their part. So I kind of like the 50 and a half over on Houston and Jacksonville. Ian, what are you looking at uh, for your bet or bets of the week? 
Yeah, I like that call, man. That's what I was just talking about here with that Jacksonville side. Like, I understand Luton's there. He's not Minshew. And Minshew hasn't been able to put up points, even though he hasn't, you know, he's turned out to be much, you know, more average, I think, than some people are hoping. But, yeah, man, two bad defenses. I think it's definitely a situation we could expect those points. Uh, I got three actual spreads that I'm looking at this week. I think the Ravens at minus one and a half, a little bit of an overreaction of that loss against the Steelers that, you know, hey, look, they had the ball, you know, I think that the five and then at the 23-yard line, the last two drives of the game, I can could have easily gone the Ravens direction i understand no stanley no humphrey like they got some injuries to deal with but this colts team i'm still just not sure if they really are in that true upper class with the ravens the ravens only losses this year are to the chiefs and the steelers like it's okay everyone lamar hasn't been quite the same world beater still been pretty darn good and i just i don't have enough confidence in this colts offense uh, moving the ball even against a lesser version of the ravens defense are uh, the kind of just again one and a half points sign me up there so i just think that line is a little bit too low uh raiders plus one I was shocked to see the Chargers even open up as a favorite this week. I just don't really know. Look, Justin Herbert's been playing some good ball, but the Chargers are still charging, you know, when it gets down to fourth quarter, seemingly all these games. So I know that's not a reason to uh, just fully bet against them. They're a good team and everything. But, you know, how many more injuries can this defense take and still be a good unit? And they lost Derwin James. Somehow didn't matter. They lost Chris Harris. Somehow didn't really matter. But now... Joey Bosa has started the week off with back-to-back DMPs. Uh, remains in concussion protocol. Looks like he is treading towards missing this game. So, you know, like the Chargers, they have so much talent there, and we see what Herbert can do with that offense. But now you take away their top three by far most important players on defense. Maybe not – okay, Hayward's probably more important than Harris. Either way, Bosa and Duran James being out is just absolutely huge. I think the Raiders, you know, they went into Arrowhead, had an incredibly impressive victory. We had the bye week to forget about that a little bit. Tough matchup against the Buccaneers, and then just, uh, you know, weather typhoon game last week against the Browns that they managed to win their credit but truly I think this Raiders passing game you know they're throwing the ball downfield more often cars having in my opinion the best season of his career uh you know they got a little bit I, we we're talking about this before the game and you mentioned now they might have a little extra you know pissed off motivation storyline uh <laughs> going for them there with the stuff with the league sanctions so I just think a lot of things are turning up the Raiders and even you know removing all that I do just think uh they're a better offense better overall team so love Herbert and you know we've seen just week after week with these Chargers games you know totals usually ending in the 60s so i'm not saying don't you know go the well with these chargers guys in dfs but i just think this is a game the raiders should be favored to win the fact they're not i am happy to uh you know bet them at plus one and last one i got like the cardinals at minus four and a half i look Tua looked awful last week and credit to him it's a great story that he came back from the injury and stuff and he's out there but more and more with these reports i mean initially it was like people were almost saying you know great job brian flores the dolphins are competitive they're bringing in Tua so they can win more more and more reports, man. I don't think that's the case at all because Ryan Fitzpatrick was playing great before he got pulled. They put Tua in directly after the bye, which seems like, you know, a general kind of good time to put in your rookie QB. And now we got reports coming out from Adam Schefter, one of the best, you know, guys in the business at what he does, if not the best, he is the best. And uh, um, he's, got, he's saying now the Dolphins aren't necessarily attached to Tua in the 2021 and they're using this as an addition because they're going to have those high-end Texans picks to potentially, you know, make a deal to get a quarterback they want. So, you know, more and more we're seeing this was not a move designed to put the better quarterback in necessarily it's a it's a smart move to try to figure out what you have in Tua right now but we need to evaluate what this Dolphins offense looks like with Tua in the one week against Aaron Donald the company not a good matchup but we saw pretty much nothing and it was a much more dumbed down version of this Dolphins offense I mean only a five yard average target depth truly like we're just trying to throw screens out there and stuff and couldn't even really do that 
at a high percentage throughout the game. So, you know, Cardinals defense has impressed a lot. The Dolphins defense has been great since they got Byron Jones back. I get that. But the Cardinals, at least we know, are at worst above average on both sides of the ball. We cannot say that by any extent for the Dolphins, you know, going from Florida, you know, pretty much across the country to Arizona. I just think this is, you know, too much too soon for two on company. Give me Kyler in the Cardinals minus four and a half. Love it. You sold me on all those. Um, we, were talking, <laughs> we were talking about the Raiders uh, before the show and, yeah, I, uh, I I had a feeling you're going to go there with your bet, and I, I can't I can't agree more on that one. Um, real quick, before we get into the position stuff, um, you know, I showed the I showed everybody gridiron IQ over here on the share screen. We'll talk. I want to touch on some injuries real quick beforehand, but uh, for those of you watching who are are not subscribers, Road Grinders, and want to, we're offering uh, five dollars off your first month if you sign up uh, via the link that I believe our producer Devin just put into the chat. So that is uh, rotogrinders.com slash media slash PFF for pro football focus, rotogrinders.com slash media slash PFF. That gets you $5 off your first month at Rotogrinders. So you have like, you have this gridiron, or I'm sorry, gridiron IQ, which I just use all the time. You have like, we have a premium usage app that you can use. We have, I, you know, I mentioned the ownership over here a little bit ago. Um, you have, all sorts of stuff that gets released uh, every day of the week. Uh, we have a premium content schedule that has all that list. And then I just pulled up here the uh, the injury report, the situation room. We have this for for NBA too. We have it for NFL here. And just we'll, we'll use this as kind of a transition into when we start talking about positions. Like we're looking at some, you know, obviously everyone's expecting McCaffrey's back. Um, I always sort here at the impact rating just because it gives us, you know, the, the most important one. So everyone's ex expecting McCaffrey back, which take, takes Mike Davis out of the equation we have. Drake listed as doubtful. Carson, if he's uh, if he doesn't play, you know, you can maybe look at some DJ DJ Dallas again. We have uh, Calvin Ridley. It's questionable. It's probably the biggest one who's like truly questionable. We just really don't know what's going to happen there. That might open up like uh, Hurst at tight end. We need some savings there. Um, that's that's pretty much it. You know, Galladay's doubtful. We got uh, the Stafford situation. We actually will probably talk about that at quarter at quarterback because if Stafford can't make it back on Sunday, maybe we're looking at a little Chase Daniel. Maybe that's our way to some salary relief to pay up for all these skill guys. So. Let's move into quarterback here. Um, we were discussing just briefly, you know, on our sheet beforehand of, of who we like to play for cash games at quarterback. I, I think it's as of right now, I think I think the position in general just seems a little tighter than normal. I feel like there's they usually have a little more a little more leeway down there at the bottom. Like when you're looking at that high five, high five K range, low six K range. But I just don't see anybody I want to get who's like kind of. You know, in the in the highs and the low, sorry, in the low sixes, like I'm, if I can just go up a couple hundred bucks and get this, like Josh Allen, if I can get this Deshaun Watson, that's the tier I'm chopping in. I'm kind of leading Josh Allen just because of the rushing. Um, I think that's you know stabilizes the floor a little bit. I, of course, love Watson too. That's kind of what I'm looking at in, in cash games, at least. What are you looking at at the quarterback position in cash games? Yeah, I think, you know, getting Allen is certainly fair. Obviously has uh, turned down a little bit since the start of the year. But what people need to realize is, look, he, it, the verdict's still out on if Josh Allen is going to be a great real-life quarterback. But we have three years of evidence that dude is a fantastic fantasy football quarterback and playing against the Seahawks defense that, you know, hey, they're getting Jamal Adams back. That, that's good and everything. But, uh, you know, hey – we have bunches of film of Julian Edelman cooking Jamal Adams in man-on-man -man coverage from that week two game against the Patriots. You know, I think the bigger issue for the Seahawks is they have, you know, the single worst defense this year 
and pressure rate. So add whoever you want there in the secondary. If they can't get to the quarterback, it's going to be a problem. I like that call. I would just say, you know, if you want to be able to get up to Deshaun Watson, I think you can, you know, kind of lost in the fact this year that the Texans have been, you know, awful from a win-loss standpoint. It's the fact that Deshaun Watson has actually been a better version of himself in Fantasyland than we saw over these past two years. He averaged the most points of his career uh, just in terms of fantasy points and as a rookie, but literally in 2020, he's averaging more fantasy points per game than he did in 2019 or 2018. And, you know, okay, we didn't see the hottest start in the year, but now against this Jaguars defense that, you know, again, we should just be targeting with reckless abandon anytime we can get this matchup and, you know, the public isn't all over it. You know, coming off a bye, Will Fuller, you know, potential squeaky wheel off. They were trying to trade him. Brandon Cooks. I feel like we have a much better uh, grip on this Texans offense at this point. And we've, and we've seen them play generally better ball in recent weeks. So um, I'm fine going up to Deshaun Watson if you can with GPPs. So I think the two uh, kind of fun games you could look to target that could be back and forth shootouts. The Broncos with Drew Locke. You said before, man, we just don't have much value everywhere. So if we can get it with our quarterback and pass catchers, this could help us get up to running backs uh, that we want in certain lineups. So Drew Locke at only 5,200. You can get Jerry Judy, who I believe is only 4,700 against a Falcons defense that maybe isn't awful, but they're still awfully banged up. And I think, uh, you know, they are still in that tier of the Jaguars, even if the Jaguars are worse. So, you know, if we can play guys against them, that's great because even if the Falcons are a little bit better in some of these defenses, their offense is much better, which means we can expect more of a, you know, just a back and forth uh, shootout kind of flow to the game. So uh, we like that. And then also I would just say, Derek Carr against this Bosalist Chargers defense. I mean, don't count out this dude and this dude and what the passing game can do. And I would just say that with Brian Edwards coming back this week, most likikely, the reason why Nelson Aguilar has been playing so much is because of Brian Edwards being out. So Aguilar has been playing great football this year. I don't think he's necessarily going to hit the bench right away, but you know, just realize if you do want to go with these Derek Carr stacks, you're obviously going Carr and Waller, but I really would lean towards Henry Ruggs over Aguilar because with Brian Edwards coming back, I mean, look, they thought really highly of him. He was starting the year and Aguilar's played well though. So I don't think he's going to be benched. I think we could see Edwards and Aguilar splitting things up a little bit. Ruggs first wide receiver in the entire draft and the things he's done to help kind of open up that field with his speed have been apparent. So I don't think he's going anywhere, but you know, Carr, Waller, Henry Rugstacks, sign me up, man. So we got a question from someone in the YouTube chat. I want to run it by you. It's from, apologies if I mispronounce this. It's from uh, Pranath Pradhan. He, you talked about Drew Locke and GBPs. We've been talking about, we need to save too. Would, he wants to know, would you play Drew Locke in cash games? Is that something you do on this slate? As, as, from what we know right now, is that something you do in cash games on this slate, Ian? No, not quite. I just think there's a legit, you know, like five-point floor here whenever Drew Locke is there. We didn't – he used to have some rushing or he showed some rushing kind of floor in 2019, but we just really haven't seen that in 2020, particularly uh, coming back from the injury. And, look, he was good last week, and last year he had a game against the Texans where he was good. His eight other starts, he's, been like, not throwing multiple touchdowns. I believe he's been under 200 yards in, like, six of them. So the floor is just so low with him that I don't think he's quite uh, cash game viable. If you want to put, like, Judy in there, I think – think that's a little bit more reasonable but going all the way down the lock i don't think so their car i'd be a little bit more willing to play in cash game lineups uh, so at 5700 i'd say that's the lowest i'd be willing to go uh, for a cash game qb good call good call um before we transition to running back i just want to mention something i like for gpps i think i like kyler murray for a couple of reasons obviously i mean he has one of the higher ceilings at the position um he's you know we got him for the third highest ceiling if you look at our if you look at our rotor rotor grinders projections I think if people decide to pay way up here, I think you have Russ at $200 less. I think people are going to play Russ like, oh, I can sack with Lockett. I can sack with Metcalf. I don't think people are going to pay uh, pay up for Murray when they're deciding to pay up. We have him at, you know, on DraftKings, we have him at 5.1% uh, projected ownership as of right now. I also think with the Edmonds, uh, with the Edmonds 
ownership and how popular he's going to be. I think if you do like a mini Kyler uh, Hopkins stack, a little mini stack of those two guys, I think that's a good way to leverage a little Edmonds uh, ownership. So that, those are my thoughts on in, uh, in GPPs for, for quarterbacks. Now let's move it over to uh, running backs. And, you know, there's going to be some, some very familiar names uh, that you're probably, that people have probably heard all week already. Uh, you have, you know, Dalvin cook is someone, you know, I think he's going to be my priority in cash games at any position. You think no Kamara on the slate, Aaron Jones, he played last night, McCaffrey price is right, but we're maybe a little uncertain on the usage. Curious to hear your thoughts on that, by the way. Um, you know, Zeke's not Zeke anymore, mainly because of the offense. Um, Henry's going up against the bears, although there's reasons to like him, which you've already mentioned, and we should talk about even more. So, for me in cash games, I think I'm going to prioritize Cook. I think as far as like even just projections that I'm from flex positions overall, I think we have him like almost what, about two and a half, three points higher than the next uh, projected guy. So he's going to be a priority for me in cash games. Uh, running back, what about you, Ian? Yeah, so looking at cash games, I want James Conner, man. If you can get up to those guys as well, that's great. But to me, there just isn't another running back on the slate that we can feel better about getting 100 plus yards and multiple touchdowns i mean look we got to keep the show within 60 minutes man if we wanted to list every single running back that has put together like their season high game against the cowboys this year we would be here far too long so i mean it was pretty funny man listening to like last sunday night's uh, broadcast against the eagles i mean collinsworth was like almost taken aback talking about this run defense he's like you just don't see this many explosive plays happening on the ground against one defense so consistently that has been the case they've given health here they got randy gregory back he's been helping with the pass rush late and Vander Esch is there, but you know, you throw in the reality that okay, let's say the Cowboys defense does play great and they, you know, play better than we have seen all year and they make life tough. Okay, they're not gonna be able to move the ball, man. So just we're gonna see like the most positive game script possible for this Pittsburgh offense, likely getting the ball, you know, in good field position all game. And like the problems I have with James Conner earlier in the year were that his role just he was scoring touchdowns, but it was more of this Kenyon Drake, David Johnson role. He was playing, you know, 60, 70% snaps with 20 touches a game. That was fine, but with the old 2018 and, you know, kind of 2014 and 2018 Steelers role was 80, 90% snaps and like freaking 30 touches or until the wheels fall off the wagon. That's what we saw with Le'Veon for all those years, Connor, even D'Angelo Williams. They have gotten back to that over the past two weeks. So, you know, Connor, we're looking at, you know, a minimum, I think, projected touch uh, workload of 20. I think he's certainly going to clear 100. And I think, you know, if he doesn't find the end zone at least once, I would be surprised. So give me James Connor and cash and GPP lineups alike. Uh, with GPP, I think Justin Jackson, at 4,900 is interesting. It's been a situation with this Chargers backfield where Troy Main Pope came out of nowhere last week, kind of relegated uh, Josh Kelly to, you know, more of a third RB role. We don't know what that situation is going to be, but throughout all this, Justin Jackson's role has not changed. He's the lead guy, primary pass down back. And again, in this Chargers Raiders game where, you know, it could shoot out. And I think he is involved enough as a receiver. You can go, you know, Herbert, Keenan, Jackson, if you don't want to, you know, double up with uh, Keenan or Mike or Keenan and uh, Hunter Henry or whatever. So I like Jackson here. And then last guy I would just or last two I would say one mentioned before at the yards before contact where Derrick Henry he just fits that week eight Dalvin Cook mold where I understand like why people are going to play uh Christian McCaffrey Dalvin Cook James Robinson probably above Derrick Henry and they'll have higher ownership potentially but you know it's Derrick Henry Anytime this guy is available, regardless of the matchup, we got to realize he has that tournament winning upside. So I know you guys were mentioning that he is, ha, does still have a little bit higher ownership. You know, just looking across the industry a little bit, PFF Fantasy Labs, I am, am seeing him, you know, under 5% potentially. So just realize, you know, any, anytime you have a good amount of turn, a tournament lineup exposure uh, and you have a situation where Derrick Henry could be under owned, particularly as we get into the winter months, uh, make sure you're not going, you know, completely zero with Henry. Last point, I would say Antonio Gibson at 5,800. Mentioned before that, you know, Washington football defense 
against the Giants. I think stacking them with Gibson would be great. Maybe, just maybe, after this bye, we've finally seen J.D. Uh, McKissick, you know, integrated out of this offense a little bit. Either way, though, Gibson's already kind of getting this 12 to 15 rushes and five target uh, workload. You know, we saw it work against the Cowboys. Giants aren't as bad as the defense of the, as the Cowboys, but I still think, you know, Gibson, talented guy, already with solid workload, and he has the potential to see that shoot up. Uh, so a situation where I wouldn't quite tr trust him in cash, but I think that's the exact type of GPP target we should be going for. Yeah, and keep keep uh, refreshing this. You know, as we as we get closer to Sunday, everybody, if you're using the the lineup HQ projected ownership, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see the Henry the Henry ownership just go down a little bit, especially because you know I mentioned you know using you know uh, stats like I we have in Gridiron IQ. You know, you look at some of these things and, and how good Chicago is against the run in that regard. But then that's why I like looking at articles like yours when you know I I put. For, for this, for my GPP play, I put Derek Henry and I wanted you to talk about him, but I took the reason why I put him in there is strictly because of what you mentioned in the article and you have the Bears, the second worst defense and explosive run play right allowed. So like, and is there a more matchup proof guy in the league than Derek Henry? Exactly. So, probably not. so like, that's exactly why, you know, you play guys like that and you take your 25 rushes for 185 yards and two touchdowns and you take that to the bank. So um, I'm, 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 a, I'm on board there with uh, you on Derek Henry. So, uh, I don't think many people argue with that one. So let's move over to let's move over to wide receiver now. I think we got got a decent amount of time left, so we can touch on some wide receivers here. Um, cash games again, as you, as I mentioned, kind of at the top of the show, why things get start getting a little uncomfortable. I mentioned like a seven K quarterback. I mentioned Dalvin Cook making him a priority. Now I'm going to talk about uh, Keenan Allen being a priority for me in cash games. He's seven K. I think uh, you know he left. I think it was the week five game. He left a little pretty early in that game with back spasms. In the other, I believe, six games, in the six healthy games he's had this year, basically he's had a 30, basically a 34% market share of targets for that team. That would lead the le entire league, you know, it's even ahead of the Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, guys like that. So I think uh, I think Keenan Allen just still far too underpriced for his role. He's 7K on DraftKings, and I think that's just too cheap. And then you also have the fact that he's going up against uh, the Raiders, who are, you know, one of the worst defenses in the league against – one of the worst defenses in the league against the pass. So I still like Keenan Allen. I think the price is too cheap. Um, take me through what you're starting with in cash games, a wide receiver, and as well as GPPs as well. Yeah, so it's going to, you know, obviously depend on who you decide to go with your cash game quarterback, you know, who you're trying to stack them around with. You know, I mentioned before, I do like Deshaun Watson. So Will Fuller, it's always Will Fuller week in 2020, except for week two, but that's almost in the, you know, full <laughs> rear view mirror now. So at 6,800, I think that we can go back to the well. With him, we have seen though in recent weeks. I mean, Brandon Cooks, he's not going away. He's, you know, he had the goose egg, and ever since then, he's been a lot more involved in the offense. So, again, just realize that Deshaun Watson, you know, inexplicably playing better than ever without Hopkins. I think it's kind of a similar situation as to what we saw with the Panthers when they were playing better without McCaffrey. I mean, look, Hopkins, this dude is anyone's idea of a top three talent at the position in the entire league. Any offense would obviously want DeAndre Hopkins in their three wide receiver sets. Let him be your number one wide receiver. No one's saying that isn't the point, but you have a situation now where i mean how many years was hawkins the only number one receiver with the texans and fuller would be hurt and there's just no one else to throw to so now the fact that uh watson has fuller cooks Cobb's doing good things he has some good receiving backs he's just been able to spread the ball out more not be quite as predictable you know even though they could they could be predictable with hawkins and still have plenty of success i just think you know not having the offense flow as exclusively through one guy as we saw the panthers passing him doing with mccaffrey uh just helps you know your talents be put in a little bit better positions i think when the defense doesn't know 
exactly what's coming every time. So, you know, Watson with Fuller and Cooks, I think makes a lot of sense. Uh, and I also think Adam Thielen at 6,700 is just money in the bank at this point. I mean, I, I realized last week uh, kind of a you know down week for both him and Justin Jefferson, but that was only because Kirk Cousins threw the ball 14 times. So, hey, you know, that is in his range of outcomes, unfortunately, but Thielen throughout all this, throughout, you know, all this kind of turnover with the Vikings this season, he's remained their number one guy. And, you know, I've been treating him as a top 10 receiver uh, throughout the offseason and into now. So just don't forget that. And I think at 6,700, he's not going to be, you know, the just off the radar guy or anything like that. But uh, just realizing that against this Lions defense, I don't think anybody can guard him. I'd be surprised if he doesn't uh, find the end zone in this one. And I would just say uh, for GPPs mentioned before, you know, if I go Drew Locke with Jerry Judy and Tim Patrick, who has been practicing this week with the hamstring injury, if he's active, don't be afraid to stack him up with both. Tim Patrick's playing some good ball. I do think Judy's better. I mean, this dude's route running is just on another plane of existence sometimes, but uh, you know, Patrick and Judy, it's not often you can stack your quarterback with his top two receivers and still have two receivers under 5k. So I just think that allows you to get up to a bunch of running backs. And then just some other uh, quick guys, Marquise Brown, 6,000, you know, he's in freaking, the the Colts uh, uh, dome and I believe it was um uh, Rich Rebar uh, awesome you know fantasy analyst he was pointing out Lamar Jackson's only played I think it's six games uh, on non just grass turf in the NFL so you know not a huge correlation here but it would make sense if Lamar and Marquise Brown really get that speed flying on that fast track and again Colts defense hey they're good but I think we as we saw last week with Matthew Stafford going for over 300 yards and three touchdowns not exactly a defense we need to you know fear and just fade guys just because so Marquise Brown awesome squeaky wheel spot and I also I would just point out that Colin Ridley's out we got Christian Blake sitting there at the stone cold 3000 if you really want to save some cash I think he is viable and then finally uh you know with this you know I'm talking about all these Texans guys I think the Jaguars player if if you can't if you can't get all the way up to James Robinson which I understand LaVisca Chanel at 4200 this could be a nice week for him because Jake Luton we don't know much about him but you look at the advanced stacks uh, advanced stats from his college days and you start to see kind of the picture of this game manager a guy that's way more willing to check down than throw deep so I think LaVisca is already someone that's emerged as, you know, their number two weapon in the passing game, but it could even, you know, almost rise up above Chark here moving forward if Luton kind of ends up being this guy that's a little bit more afraid to throw the ball downfield. So, you know, you're able to get that Watson, Fuller, Cooks, and bring it back with LaVisca. Send us the money now, man. I, I think we're in business there. Yeah, I was. I forgot to mention that a little earlier. There's some stuff creeping out of the Jacksonville camp about them wanting to throw more with this, with this guy. So I don't know if that's uh, – if that's – just, you know, coach speak and they're trying to just trying to pull the okie doke. But that's another reason I like the over there in that game. Just more passes, more passes equals. Yeah. More chances for big plays, but more incomplete passes in the clock stop. So yeah. that's uh, that helps. Uh, that helps over best for sure. So, uh, that, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned him and that I, I like it. I like uh, Chanel's price 4,200 on DK, I believe. So good call there. Um, one guy I like for GPPs before I take us to tight ends. Um, I really like Tyreek. I know he had a big game last week. And I know this is like a, kind of an early run of our uh, of our ownership projections, but last I looked, we had him at like the 16th highest projection uh, for for ownership at right wide receiver, and I think we have him like the third or uh, second or third highest ceiling. And you look at the I'm going to start here by salary here. You look at this this price range right here. So he's 7100. Stephon Diggs going to go up against Seattle. Everyone loves receivers against Seattle, obviously. Um, Julio Jones, if Ridley's out, he's seven two. He's gonna be he's gonna be uh, popular. Keen Allen, seven K. Obviously, already talked about him. He's gonna be popular. Then like Lockett, Will Fur Will Fuller. You talked about him. They're they're both six eight. Like even after Tyreek's big game last week, I still don't think people are gonna play him. I just don't think people are gonna play like Mahomes, Kelsey Hill together. Even after what we just saw them do last week, so I think you get really low ownership on that trio, and I especially like Hill. 
so yeah, that's, uh, that's my thoughts on GPP as a wide receiver. Let's take it over to tight end, which man, uh, I just, I always want to save here in general. I don't think I've got tight end right once this year uh, in, in cash games. I've just been – maybe I got lucky on that Burton week when he's, like, taking rushing touchdowns. And what was that two or three weeks ago? I felt uh, kind of a – I sucked out a little bit on, on this rushing touchdown. But they've been letting him do that a couple of times. So, I don't know. Basically, what I'm trying to say here is I don't like anything. Um, I'm sorted by our uh, Roto Grinders value. Um, Waller pops at the top. I'm most likely going to be looking at this, like, 4K range. Um, like if, if uh, Ridley's out, you know, Hurst at 4-1, Henry at 4K, maybe Noah Fan at, uh, at 4-6. I'm going to try to go as cheap as possible here when I ultimately build my my final cash game lineup. I wish there was someone in like the low threes that I like, but I am really not seeing it this week. So uh, that's I'm kind of looking at the 4K range for, for cash games. What are you thinking, man? I, I need some help. It's bad, man. Like we're, <laughs> you're seeing like Irv Smith popping, you know, under 3K, but nah, I, I can't go down that low. I, I like what you said, and I just think, you know, Hunter Henry at 4K, Eric Ebron at 4,500. These are also guys I would just keep an eye on. Ebron started playing like an every snap role. I mean, it was a situation earlier in the year where we thought maybe Vance McDonald would be someone uh, that's just stealing too much work from him to kind of for either guy to kind of end up being viable. But I think Ebron, they love him in the red zone just with the size he brings kind of compared to Deontay. And, you know, honestly, just the way Juju and moving all year. Ebron is kind of one of their uh, more athletic guys out there and just able to kind of cause some problems and matchups against uh, safeties. So Ebron against the Cowboys, I think makes sense. And Hunter Henry, look, I mean, we've seen Donald Parham, Virgil Green, like these random fullbacks, like Justin Herbert's throwing touchdowns to the most random guys. At some point, we're going to see Hunter Henry have himself a nice little game. You know, he's been staying healthy all year, similar to kind of Evan Ingram, where we've we've always been treating these guys as, you know, upside options at the position. And it's been wild to see their health be okay in 2020 and not to have that production uh come alongside it but that's been the reality but you know i mean hey you look at this matchup against the raiders there is ever a spot for hunter henry uh to you know break out of this slump and have a big game i think it is uh this week and then also i would just say you know if you really want to try to go cheaper i think logan thomas at 3700 is pretty viable i know he's been in this uh price range for pretty much the whole year and we've kind of gotten burnt going back to it a few times but you look under 4K, it's him. It's probably Jimmy Graham at 3,800. And I think that's it in terms of guys that, you know, we can reasonable, reasonably uh, be expecting five-plus targets for. Uh, with Thomas, you know, since Kyle Allen's come under center, we've seen more efficiency. But even with or without Kyle Allen, he's been a guy that they've had out there, you know, for 75%-plus of their snaps pretty much every single week of the season. So, you know, to your point, you know, we want plays. And we also want guys that are going to be out there playing on those plays. So I think Logan Thomas, you know, is at least a guy that's going to be out there on every single snap. Keep an eye eye on Cole Komet for the Bears because if he is ruled out, Jimmy Graham is actually going to, you know, be flirting with a near every down roll and probably more targets than he's used to seeing. So I get it. It's absolutely disgusting. And, you know, I say this now and it's going to be tough on Saturday when I'm making my lineups to even put Jimmy Graham in myself. But I do think, you know, as we've seen with Aguilar and, you know, Perryman last year's like, if you just, if you remove Jimmy Graham's name from the player pool and just look at his spot and look at his stats and the projected target share, I think you'd be a lot more willing to pick him up if you can just admit that, okay, it's Jimmy Graham. I know we've been burned on this guy, but <laughs> everything else is right other than his name being Jimmy Graham. So Jimmy Graham, Logan Thomas, under 4K, I think are the best uh, best cheaper options. There we go. Um, one one thing I'll note on just from a tournament perspective, you know, I we have Waller as the best, like, you know, using our roto grinders value column we have him as the best value and we have him with the highest ownership but he's only at 14 and a half percent i don't i don't know if that's you know high for that position like the what i'm trying to say is the ownership seems pretty spread out here amongst tight ends i don't think there's going to be any one person at least as of now unless some news breaks or something that is just really going to come in the ownership so i don't feel 
I don't feel like I'm I'm losing out on, on taking him because he's only 14 percent uh, projected ownership. I think as far as like tight end at this position, as we've seen this year, like there's just so few guys that show even slight winning upside to begin with, like Waller, Kelsey, like those guys. I'm fine taking those guys. You know, we're talking about um, how hard it is to find salary this week. And when it comes down to it, most DFS players, they, they save at this position. So if that's going to cost, you know, guys like Waller and Kelsey to just go slightly lower owned, that's kind of what I've been looking at. And I know you were talking up just the Raiders in general earlier. So the car Waller, maybe throw in, um, you know, one of the receivers you were mentioning earlier. So I, I definitely like that route in tournaments. Um, we got just, I think we got a few more minutes here. We can, let's just knock out just a little bit of defense talk. And maybe I'm being selfish here because I don't know who the hell I want to play in, a, in any format of defense this week. I know I want to save, but help me out, help the, help the viewers out. What are you looking at? Uh, what are you looking at for defense this week? Because, I mean, yes, we would love to play the Steelers, but <laughs> it, they're four nine, and I'm pretty sure you mentioned earlier. I think they are. I think it is fact they are the highest price defense ever on DraftKings. So yes, four nine. They will not be in my cash game lineup for sure. But uh, what are you what are you doing here at defense this week? Pretty tough to get up to forty nine hundred in this economy. Yeah. Absolutely, man. But <laughs> if you want to go down, you know, a little bit to Washington at thirty four hundred again. Mentioned Antonio Gibson stack, and I'm not seeing super high projected ownership uh, really with them there. It seems like the team, at least popping out, you know, from looking at is kind of Houston at thirty one hundred. But there's just, I mean, that's not even like really all that well coached of a unit, and it's just not all that talented either. So I'm fine kind of going down at the position this week. And the two teams I want to take most of my shots on are the Vikings at twenty four hundred. You know, this. Uh, It'll be a little bit more appealing for sure if Matthew Stafford is out of the picture, obviously, and I think they'll become pretty chalky if we got Chase Daniel under center. But even if not, man, I just think that while the Lions can put up points, we also know they're turnover prone. We also know, you know, the scheme just, you know, any time an offense is consistently given Adrian Peterson this much work, we're not going to give them the benefit of the doubt in terms of how the scheme and the coaching is there. So I just think the Vikings defense, while the secondary remains banged up, and, you know, it's been kind of a struggle all year for them. As we saw last week, you know, against the Packers, like there's still a well coach enough teams you know come up with some plays and uh you know while, while the pressure hasn't been good and it's not gonna get necessarily better without the neil hunter coming back again i think zimmer can do enough against potentially a poorly coached team where there's a fourth fourth cheapest defense on the slate and that just should not be the case i mean there's no reason why jacksonville uh the raiders even like the giants should be priced higher than the vikings so i understand they're not the most appealing play out there you can poke holes in it but i just think you know relative to their cost they should be ranked a little bit higher or priced a little bit higher and then also i think the falcons at 20 500 they're probably the one i'm leaning towards the most because again drew lock while it could turn out well man we have far more examples of it not turning out well for lock this season i mentioned before in my uh you know the mismatch manifesto pressure part drew lock is popping out someone that could be under more pressure than most this week and you know i've gone through and looked at you know some of the quarterbacks in the league that are you know just kind of have the biggest difference in production when they're kept clean versus when they're under pressure and it's pretty much like jared goff and drew lock are just popping above almost anyone else as the guys that you know when things are right they can make plays but the second they get some pressure we start seeing some bad decisions so you know, Locke, he does still have more turnover-worthy plays than big-time throws in his short career. I, I love the guy. He just drips swag. I love the dancing. I love everything about him, and I hope I'm wrong. But I do think, you know, the Falcons, again, much like the Vikings, uh, to see them, uh, you know, pricing that below 25K range, I just think we could easily see an extra $500 there. So Falcons, Vikings, sign me up. There we go. There's my cheap – there are my cheap defenses for the week. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you want uh... – you want uh, some of this, some of these, you know, the projected ownership, we got the injury report, the situation room, gridiron IQ. So I mentioned earlier in the show, if you just hop in now, as we're closing things out, um, we are offering $5 off at Roto Grinders uh, for your first month. If you want, 
That's at uh, hit the link rotogrinders.com slash media slash PFF. That's our pro football focus rotogrinders.com slash media slash PFF for $5 off. You can get all these tools. I've kind of been, uh, kind of been using uh, throughout the show. So Ian, I think, man, we're out of time. This kind of flew by. Um, I hope I filled in admirably for, for, uh, for Brit. I, if I had more advanced notice, I would have like worn some Mickey Mouse ears or something to honor him <laughs> appropriately. But I, I appreciate doing the show with you, man. I, I hope I, I hope I did. All right. Uh, anything you want to give to the viewers before I close this out here? Yeah, bro. Uh, I hope uh, I hope our friend Britt is fine. But you know, hey, if he's <laughs> if he's trying to start a rivalry and he wants to start co-hosting with Mickey, man, you and me might have to start our, our own brand. So if he's not uh, he's not willing to come showing up these days, obviously. But yeah, just uh, you know, if, if everyone if, if if you like what I have to say, you know, I am truly just trying to provide you with all the information you need to be the best fantasy football player possible. So check out the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I bring you new episodes Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday every week. Go over every game that I am watching, and you know, try to give you the metrics to boot so good stuff there and good talking to you Andy. this was fun man best of luck to everyone yeah, in week nine and beyond all right man uh, that's ian i'm andy means uh we will see everybody next week have a good one